It's good to be here this morning. It's good to have our visitors with us, uh, each one. <clears throat> Enjoy the Sunday school hour and also the um, singing. It's been, a, it's been a good morning. This morning I'd like to read, if you would, turn your Bibles to Matthew 6. Read a very familiar uh, passage there. Matthew six twenty four through thirty four. <clears throat> Let's stand for the reading of the word. <clears throat> no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You may be seated. So this morning I've titled the message, Trust That Works. It's basically, what is the opposite of worry? It's trust. And how does trust work, or does it work? And uh, so that's what I wanted to look at as I, as I pondered on this passage and studied for this message. <clears throat> does trust work? And it does. <clears throat> um. As a 13 to 15-year-old, I don't know exactly how old I was, but I remember being behind our house there in Seymour. Uh, We lived in the woods, and there was a grass area between the woods and the house. And I still remember being there. We had a little chicken house back there. And I was just musing. I also had a uh, Morgan stallion that my grandpa had sold me. It was registered Morgan. Lots of plans for that uh, stallion. I was breaking him and uh, planned to someday have my own uh, herd of registered Morgan horses. And I had a lot of big plans in my mind. And, you know, I wanted my own property sometime and uh, my own cows and chickens and and so forth. And, And like I said, I don't know what age exactly I was, maybe 13 to 15. I do remember thinking that, how am I going to, you know, how's this ever going to work out? Because... Although I'm building pole barns and helping my brother build pole barns and getting paid six dollars an hour, my my folks are only giving me ten percent of that, and it's you know, how am I ever going to be able to afford my own place someday and all that? And um, and then there were hunting and fishing and 
<clears throat> vehicles and all that kind of thing to, to weigh in, you know, what to do with my money. Well, those were, you know, challenges there. Uh, you know, of course, you know, in my mind, uh, you know, with on that farm, I would possibly have, uh, you know, my own wife and so forth and, you know, what all that would entail. And um, So then life moves along. The challenges get bigger. Um, they gain depth, they gain breadth, and so also do God's provisions. Um, and, you know, if you're here this morning, you most likely have trusted God up to this point in some ways or others. And if you're here this morning, it's very likely, very possible uh, if you've gone beyond, you know, realizing that your parents can provide for all your needs, um, and God has put your parents there for a special reason, and if you have parents, and you do, as far as I know, have parents that love you and, and are providing for you, but um, if you have, they're, they're there for a, a good reason, um, they're a tool of God's for your benefit. But there's a time that, you know, you go beyond that where parents can't direct your steps completely. They can't supply your, your every need. And, and uh, maybe at times you feel like God isn't doing as much as he could do. Or, or uh, you know, how is God going to work this out? Or God is not working fast enough. And I'm this morning primarily speaking to those needs and to those, um, to us as a group here. However, I would like to focus a little bit, take a little bit of time to focus on um, areas of trust that we can't fully comprehend or don't fully comprehend here this morning. I was reading here just recently over the Christ, this Christmas season, um, Boko Haram has been making incursions into North Africa, deeper incursions, and... Um, have killed many Boko Haram uh, Muslim um, herdsmen and warriors, have come in and killed many Christian farmers. The, the Christians tend to farm, and the uh, Muslims tend to have run cattle over large areas and be herdsmen. And um, there's a part of it that the, the herdsmen are trying to gain access to more land. The other part of it is, is it's just... Uh, they want to take over Christian areas and impose Muslim or Islam into Christian areas. And and uh, I have a friend back in Virginia. He's uh, Lama. He's a Nigerian. And in the north part of Nigeria is where a lot of this is taking place. Uh, even back uh, a number of years ago, he was talking about people he knew that had been attacked and were uh, uh, these warriors had come in and and upset services, killed people, and the way he talked about it was, you know, to, it was tragic. And yet, for him, you could tell this was a norm that his family members and extended family members were facing. And then just this Christmas, they're talking about how that they came in and killed more than two hundred, and it's more uh, Christians, and it's more just like sport killing. Um, Babies, mothers, 
one father followed these warriors out into followed the, these warriors because they'd taken his daughter. And he never came back, and the daughter never came back either. They killed him and kept going with the daughter. You know, these are real-life tragedies. How do you trust God in times like that? And uh, so this morning, I would like to just to take a moment to pray for those Christians. And uh, those are places that there's no easy answer, but we can pray for them. We can lift them to God. And I would just like to, to for us to bow our heads and just take a, a minute to think about them and pray for them here before we go into the message. Dear Father in heaven, this morning we think of persecuted Christians. We especially think of those who have been, uh, those Nigerians, Christians who have been so severely persecuted and killed and who are fleeing. Some are fleeing their homeland now. Others are uh, mourning the loss of their loved ones. Many are staying there and uh, remaining um, Christians there and, and also pastoring there, knowing that they may be next. And dear Father in heaven, we just left them to you today. We pray a special grace and peace upon them. We pray that their trust can be strong in you. And we pray that you would continue to supply their every need and uh, just comfort them, dear Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we're here, and we have needs too. We have needs for trust. We have needs for um, looking to God more. Matthew 6, 20, 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Is it not? Is life not more than food and clothing? Uh, kingdoms have tried and are trying to reduce the needs of the human race to these things, to food and clothing and shelter. Uh, for, for the U.S., it's been the price of gas. It's the economy. Uh, in more recent years, we've seen China move towards a market economy to where the needs of their people are being met better to try to squelch uprisings. At the same time, they're holding fast to their anti-God stance and are persecuting Christians there. But sane countries will try to keep their people fed and happy, um, happy enough that they're willing to participate in being productive and, and paying their taxes. Uh, the idea is, is as, as long as there's a structure in place where people can be fed, clothed, and housed, they'll be reasonably content sort of a social utopia. And and the nations of the earth have their place. Uh, there's a place for a government. But what about Christians? Where do we fit in? Uh, biblically speaking, we're strangers. We're, we're pilgrims on this earth. And we don't have say in what, how the nations handle things. However, there's very, there's a lot that we can do. Being salt, being light, being a city that's set on a hill that can't be hid. Um, that's not a static state of being that Jesus is talking about. There's something that we can do. 
One thing for sure, as children of Jesus, we're not to be like pigs at the trough with our eyes, you know, on the farmer all the time waiting to see what more slop he'll bring our way. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory sense toward the government, but that's not the kind of people that God wants us to be, um, like pigs at the trough. We should be a people that respect our fellow men, including our government. But we're following a much higher calling, a calling of Christ, a calling that goes beyond uh, who's in the government, whether it's a Republican or Democrat, and a calling that's higher than even, you know, what kind of government it is. It's a call to, to love what God loves and treasure what God treasures. And it's, it, it's a call to um, fall in place or, or work in place with Christ, being co-heirs with him and his children. It's a call to be in the place where God, to be in the place where God would have us to be. Acts seventeen twenty eight. Paul there says, "In Him we live and move and have our being." In <clears throat> God we live, move, and have our being, for we are also His offspring. That's in Acts seventeen twenty eight in the Mars Hill message. Verse 26, Matthew 6 says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit, one single cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the, the lilies of the field, how they grow. They not neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which if, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So why do you worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows you, need of all, you have need of all these things. There was a famous... Songwriter Bobby McFerrin that wrote a song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And um, it was kind of a catchy tune. I think George W. Bush actually used uh, his song for his campaign uh, against Bobby McFerrin's. Uh, he, Bobby McFerrin didn't appreciate that and actually pulled the song off the list. And then word went around that Bobby had uh, committed suicide, which I don't know. I'm not a fan of Bobby McFerrin, and I'd only heard the song once or twice. Um, supposedly, that was um, an urban legend that Bobby hadn't committed suicide, but I don't know if he's still alive or isn't and exactly what happened there. However, you know, what Bobby McFerrin does is throw rainbows and, and roses up in the air, it seems like, and says, don't worry, be happy. You know, everything's just going to be okay. Well, that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying there aren't real needs, and there's not real need for concern. Um, his, what he's saying here goes much more, goes deep. It goes, it, it's not trite. It's not simply playing with our emotions. Uh, he, he's not expecting us to go unclothed, cold, or hungry. 
Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, it says in verse 32. God provides for us even through earthly tools, like jobs, like crops, like rentals, mortgages. These are tangible ways God uses the earth's mechanisms to provide for his own children here in our country. Um, In Romania, we saw young families caring for older people in hopes and actually in contract that they would uh, get that property when the for in exchange for the care for the for the older people. And there God was caring for a young family right beside us, providing housing, providing a future. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And here's where the trust factor enters. Can we got can we trust God to provide for us? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And it's natural for us to get up in knots about, or in selfish knots, about our temporal lives or temporal needs. So much so that we, we focus on what we want to accomplish this year, all in the context of if the Lord wills. So we, we get up in knots, we, we, you know, we say we want to do this if the Lord wills, and so and so forth, if the Lord wills, and um, we get so caught up in that that it becomes at the expense of the kingdom of God. Um, so I want to do this, I want to accomplish that, and so forth and so on, if the Lord wills. And because we've added the life the Lord wills on, we, we feel like, you know, that's all covered uh, uh if, if, you know, seeking the Lord's blessing in the right way. But it can we can easily do that at the expense of really seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I know that for my own life. The trouble with us is that we're not so much worried about tomorrow. Actually, all of us here have all the means that we need to live comfortably the rest of this year. No, you know we don't have very long till next year. But anyways, oh, I, that's something my brother put on face on uh, on our chat, and I thought that was interesting. Well, we're not so worried about tomorrow as we're worried about you know two weeks from now, two months from now, two years from now, ten years down the road, twenty years down the road. We want to know what it's going to be like then, and we're trying to prepare for that. And uh, we're trying to, you know, get that, maybe pay down that mortgage or trying to make sure that we, you know, get this taken care of or that getting taken care of over there. And um, we kind of fail to or, um, yeah, we fail to bring God into the picture and the kingdom of God into the picture. Um, Maybe we want to make sure we have it easy on ourselves, you know, in 10 years from now. And uh, so that we don't have to work so hard and so forth. Well, some of these things are okay in their context, but what are we seeking? Are we seeking for ourselves? Are we seeking the kingdom of God? Um, One thing I would like to 
kind of interject into this is the, the thought of working with our hands. Ephesians 4.28 says, let him, who let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. And the reason this thought the passage entered my mind is that it seems like we're entering more and more of a, a society or that the thought is entering more and more into our society that of, you know, not working with our hands, not really contributing like we should. I think I felt it uh, some years ago after we got back from Romania, saw um, the Bush administration uh, putting money into the economy, giving out free money. That was soon after we came back from Romania. I've seen it more recently uh, with some of the COVID things and so forth. Um, more of the idea that, you know, it's not the work we need, it's the money. And really, what we need is to be valued to each other through our work and through our, our working together and contributing to each other. And yes, the money is important, but more so is the thing that we're contributing to each other, our society and so forth. And we get true meaning out of that, true value out of that. Anyways, a thought there. Um, but the apostle here is focusing on not stealing, but rather having working so that we have to give to those who have need. A life that goes beyond transactional to the thought of fulfilling the purpose of God's kingdom in all we do. Um, there's a saying that goes like this. You can be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And I don't believe that's a thing. You cannot be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you'll be. If you're truly heavenly minded. If we're truly heavenly minded. So going back to this worry not, this command, what's the replacement? Jesus asks us to be occupied with the greater. And what is that? Trust God. Worry tends to drag us down and even incapacitate us. Make us sort of useless. We get to worrying and we lose our train of thought. We lose our ability to think clearly and things become muddled and uh, so forth. Trusting in God enables us to, to think clearly, to make wise and good decisions. Uh, Paul, a very famous passage that we have, his writing to Timothy says, God has not given us the, the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we're, worry and fear are, I, mean, I, I would think, very closely related. He's not given us that spirit, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when we have that, we can, by the grace of God, with the aid of his Holy Spirit, think clearly. Um, even if it means just saying, we'll just kind of hold tight right here. <clears throat> Trust God. Worry tends to make us selfish or even greedy. My needs become paramount in my life. My bank account can never be big enough. <clears throat> My freezer can never be full enough. My acreage never large enough. I'm always hedging against the day when the world turns upside down. And uh, we've seen those people probably. We had that 
crazy toilet paper crisis, you know, where people just got greedy and just messed up the economy. And then, you know, then we went to all different other kinds of crises for goods and services. Um, it makes people think strangely when we begin worrying. Trust God. It helps us to realize our finiteness, our own littleness, the, the, our inability to, to actually see far ahead and be willing to look to God for his infinite provision, uh, his ability to, to give more abundantly than what we could ask or think. Um, if God so clothes the grass of the field which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith you know that that really speaks to me God can do this he can bless more above and abundantly more than what we could ask or think trust God speaking to our young folks or our unmarried here this morning Worry tends to make us put undue focus who is for me or what I'm going to do with my life or even uh, for my life or, or all the other kinds of questions like that. Trusting God helps us to replace those questions, to put those questions in the rightful place. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on to your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Moses probably didn't think that his many years in the wilderness were that much value. He's herding sheep out there. He left Pharaoh's house. He knew what it was like to eat the good things of the land of Egypt. And Egypt was a very progressive country. It was a very cultivated country. So he knew what it was like to have all the good things in life. And now he's out in the wilderness. He's herding sheep. And how could it be known that God was going to do a work in his life, that God had a mission for him that he was preparing him for, and that in the meantime, in his years in the wilderness, God was preparing the Israelites to uproot them out of a land they'd been in for over 400 years or getting close to there. How could it be known all those things? And yet God was working in Moses' life. He took him there. Uh, Moses was still being faithful to God. He was acknowledging God. God was able to speak to him. You know, that tells us that there is no uh, wasted time in God's economy. If we're, so long as we're following him, and working with him in the mundane of life's road and also in the excitement of life's intersections. Um, as long as we're working with God, there's no, there's no wasted time in God's economy and not ours either. <clears throat> Trust God, speaking to those who have been hurt. Hurts in life come from many different directions a relationship gone sideways a courtship that didn't work out a courtship that didn't start the grievous loss of a loved one the loss of an unborn child 
the loss of a healthy Christian congregation, the loss of health, financial loss, worry and fear of future can take the joy out of our life and make us cynical toward the goodness there is and maybe even cynical at God himself. Worry can cause us to make very calculated and self-preserving decisions that really have the undertones of not allowing God to do this to me again. I didn't have insurance when my car burned, and so, I'll not ins- so now I'll insure everything to the hilt. Not really giving God place to work in our lives or to hurt us. And having lost a child, I can feel the anxiety that there is with uncertainty, maybe with our children being out on the road or, you know, so forth. I, I, I know that feeling in a different way. And I have to work with that. And I have to bring that um, back to the cross and submit that to Christ. Yet I know that, you know, God doesn't want us to be there in a living a life of fear and anxiety and, ser- and, and of self-preservation. And I'm not saying here that God wants us to live carelessly either. Not at all. Yeah, I believe he'd have us fasten our seatbelt. <clears throat> Um, but God needs us to trust him with everything to give him that opportunity to bless us and give him, give him that opportunity to even take something away from us. So trusting God, uh, uh, thinking to those that have hurt experience can be a good teacher, but when we pick up on the wrong things, from experience, and we grow untrusting towards God, cynical towards life, and aim our focus on our own self-preservation, we've learned the wrong things from experience. Um, this is the kind of thing that makes us see life in the temporal or of the only today and not in the eternal. The true trust in God will help us to see life in through the perspective of the eternal. Um, beyond today into tomorrow. Matthew 16, 24 through 26 says, Jesus speaking to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Trusting is a lot about taking up our cross and following Christ, uh, I believe. It's about saying, Lord, this is in your hands. I, I am bringing this precious thing to you. And I'm submitting it to you day after day, possibly. Um, or else we can take the other route of not trusting and worrying and self-preserving and trying to make our own future. But, you know, we don't have any more control of that outcome than we do of just simply trusting God. And the blessing God's, the blessings God brings our way will be uh, much larger, much more abounding than what we can preserve to ourselves. 
Uh, I think of it just as like money, for example. Um, we can decide, you know, we're going to keep all of this and hold it tight and uh, make sure it's going to stay here before us when God calls for it. And if we don't give it, we don't get that blessing that God has for us. Plus, there's a blessing that we don't know what it may be that God has beyond that. Uh, God can bless, uh, you know, bountifully. In making the commitment to do the right thing, the godly thing, the thing that causes sacrifices and embraces the ability for God to work in our lives, uh, we're choosing, like I said, the way of the cross. We're choosing a dependency on Christ and the giving up of our own self-sufficiency. We're choosing the cross of perceived uncertainty for the sake of allowing Christ to work. But that's only a perceived uncertainty because life is not certain. In choosing the cross, we're submitting our will and even better better knowledge to the will of the word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's the sacrificial pursuit of obedience to Christ and the giving up of our life through trust in God that we find true life and enduring eternal perspective and purpose. So in conclusion, trust that works. Um, Here's some things that I believe that we need to have in place if we're going to have a trust that works. Diligence in seeking God through the learning of his word and prayer. Uh, Luke 11, 9 and 10 says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Um, Perseverance, diligence in learning of, of the word and in prayer. Life can be a lot like learning a sport, I believe. Um, and finding God can be a lot that way too. Finding his will. Uh, we, can, we can think that life's going good. I had to think of a recent ski trip. I thought it was going pretty well. I made a really hard corner was ahead of my children and looked back to see where they're at and didn't perceive the upcoming curve and did one of the worst uh, side-over-sides that I've done. And I took down a little tree and some other things. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm still a little sore from that. But my son told me that if I'm not sore afterwards, I haven't really learned anything. So maybe we can learn something from that in our walk as a Christian. You know, there will, as we give ourselves to God, as we knock, as we seek, as we continue to do that, there will be some hurts. There will be some times where there will be upsets. God will move us from the, you know, the normal to the wilderness. He'll move us from here to there. And those times can be difficult to manage But if we follow through, God will take us to a new challenge. He will take us to more fullness. He will heal our hurts. He'll make us more useful. Trust, being diligent. So so one of those things, uh, 
of having a trust that works, works for us is being diligent to seek God through learning his word and prayer and, and following up through obedience, with obedience. Integrity before God is another ingredient that we need to have if we're going to have the trust that works. The attitude of brokenness of ourselves and transparency before God. Blessed are the pure in heart, and there's a promise there, for they shall see God. And there's the thought here that pureness in heart would be that we would um, be completely holy. We would be without flaw. There is that. There is that part of it, I believe. But I believe the larger part here of being pure in heart is actually being fully transparent before God and and allowing God to work, um, having a brokenness of ourselves, a transparent see with God and allowing God to work and allowing him to use his people uh, to work in our lives and um, make us and help us, mold us into the image of, of God. When we're there, those who are pure in heart, they have full transparency, full brokenness to God. I believe those people have the full promise of seeing God. And when you're there, uh, the trust will grow. Denial of ourselves. The will to humbly embrace God's ways above our own. Uh, another ingredient to have a trust ingredient to have a trust that works. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And another one is believing in the goodness of God instead of distrusting him. Believing in the goodness of God. This goes back to Genesis. When the devil seeded into Eve's mind, God isn't good. He is withholding something from you. And that is something, that's, that's a place that is easy, very easy for us to get to as well. Uh, very um, prone to do that in our thoughts. Maybe God isn't good. Um, so we have the parable in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. I'm not going to read all of that. But we're, there we have the parable where a master went out. He gave talents to his servants. Some 10, one 10, well, one 5, uh, one 2, and one 1, I think it is in this account. And we know how that worked. You know, the, the two of them doubled the, doubled the uh, talents. And then the one took and buried his Lord's talent. And it's, a, it's an example here of a negative and positive. The negative example is no trust, no obedience, no gains, and that all equaled punishment. And in contrast, the positive example was obedience, gains, or a trust in God, trust in the master, obedience, and gains equaled commendation for those who to went that route. But I'd like to read just a few verses from there. Then the 
uh, verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I know you to be a hard man. Lord, so this one servant with the one talent spoke to his Lord this way. I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. And so there was the punishment following that. Um, so that is an attitude we can have that we need to cultivate is trusting God, um, trusting in his goodness, trusting that he's in his infinite ability to, to see our good, even around the corner, further out where we can't see it. The unbelievers seek earthly security. They fight each other for it. It's been... It's been quite an eye-opener to many people to see Russia invading the Ukraine and seeing two supposedly, uh, well, two uh, modern countries fighting each other like that. A lot of people thought that was kind of behind us for the world. Um, and I've, I've found that interesting reading commentaries about that. But, you know, um, nothing's changing here on this earth. We're the same people. And serving the same two kingdoms. And as long as we're, people are serving the wrong kingdom, wrong things will happen. Terrible things will happen. But for them, only in this life there is hope. And so logically it makes sense for them to take all measures to preserve their life and their quality of life. But the, the believers, they have the righteous hope the hope of Christ's kingdom. While their lives intersect at many points with the unbelievers, their frame of reference is entirely different. It's built on something entirely different. And I'd like to read these words of Jesus here just again in closing. Uh, verse 32, For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. So for 2024, 2024 will take care of its own things, Jesus is saying. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And there are many things in our world to be concerned about. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then this verse out of John 16, 33. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. It will come. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus has taken care of this world. He's got it under control. So that means that we, as his children, can uh, look to his kingdom. We can keep our focus on the kingdom of God and trust in his provision, knowing that he will care for us. And uh, that gives me a great hope for today, um, a great um, sense of gratitude for yesterday and um, confidence for tomorrow. I believe it should for every believer of God. Let's have another song and then turn the time back over to Brother Ivan.